Welcome back to Out the Gate, a podcast about sailing and adventure on and around San Francisco Bay. This podcast is sponsored by Shearwater Sailing, a charter business run out of Monterey Bay by Kevin Wasbauer, offering offshore excursions aboard his fully equipped FAR 53 named Atalanta. And having been aboard Atalanta, I can tell you she's quite a boat, fun to sail, very safe, and very fast with a beautiful, comfortable interior. Before starting his charter business, Kevin undertook a major restoration of Atalanta, upgrading and replacing nearly all the boat's systems, including the rigging, hydraulics, windows, electrical, lifelines, electronics, steering system, and more. And if you're interested in hearing directly from Kevin about the boat and how and why he started his business, you can listen to the interview I did with him in episode 85 of this podcast. Kevin's flexible, providing half-day, full-day, and longer offshore excursions. You can reach out to him and talk about booking your very own private yacht charter with professional captain and crew on beautiful Monterey Bay. Visit ShearwaterSailing.net for more info, or you can reach out to Kevin directly. He's at 650-743-1389. You can also email him at info at ShearwaterSailing.net. Okay, I have to admit I am a little tired today recording this because I was out late last night with good reason having a great conversation and hearing fantastic stories from some legendary sailors. I was in Washington, D.C. this week with my kids to catch up with my parents who live here, and it just so happened that the Ocean Cruising Club was having its annual meeting, which is usually in the U.K., but this year they're having it in Annapolis this weekend. And the OCC has no clubhouse, doesn't organize sailing races or do any of the traditional things you think about when you think of a yacht club. Instead, it's simply a group of accomplished sailors, all of whom have made an ocean passage of at least a thousand miles in a sailboat less than 70 feet. That's the requirement for joining. Anyway, at this meeting, I was able to meet up with Randall Reeves, Matt Rutherford, uh, James Frederick, Dusty Reynolds, the single-handed sailor, and a bunch of other very accomplished, fascinating sailors. And uh, we ended up doing what sailors do when they get together. And needless to say, I'm a little groggy today. So I also did record a couple of interviews that I'll share here in due time. So look forward to those. But today, a fun interview I did with Billy and Sierra Sweezy, who I met when we were all on the hard at Napa Valley Marina a few months back. Billy and Sierra, who are better known to their online fans as the couple behind Tula's Endless Summer, met at a surf shop in Florida when Billy sailed in on a small boat. And not too long afterwards, both of them were living on the boat with their dog, Jetty, cruising the waters of Florida and beyond. And since then, they've had a series of fixer-upper boats that they've gotten on the cheap and turned into seaworthy homes that have allowed them to explore further and further afield. Currently, they're fixing up a DeFever motor yacht while waiting 
for their new Sea Wind catamaran to be constructed and delivered. And they film all of their boat work and travels and then share it on YouTube with over 150,000 subscribers. And they're able to support themselves and their travel with the revenue that that creates. Lastly, I should mention that since I interviewed Billy and Sierra, they've gotten married. So congratulations, guys. And here we go. Well, hello there. I am Sierra. (laughs) And I'm Billy. And we are a part of Tools on the Summer, so we, like, is that a part of who we are, I guess, now, right? <laughs> yes, I guess Tools on the Summer is our YouTube channel that we've been documenting all our boating and most recently truck camping adventures, but mostly living and traveling on boats. But yeah, we're a couple that likes to do really cool and fun stuff, and the way that we afford that is find old boats, fix them up, and then do our adventures on that. And that's a perfect segue because we are sitting on a boat that you just recently purchased and hauled. Uh, We're sitting here in the Napa Valley Marina. Tell us about where we are and what we're sitting in. We just got this. It's a DeFever 43, 1978. Can we say how much we bought it? (laughs) We bought it for 100 bucks. (laughs) Nice! (laughs) I'm looking at a radio across the salon here that is more than $100. Yeah. So we had, we had to pay the broker a bit to to do the transfer and all that stuff. Yeah. So it wasn't just hundred bucks, but um, two thousand and six hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> called we are, we're kind of in between boats right now, and our our, boat, our new boat that's being built in Vietnam has been getting delayed and delayed and delayed with co- mostly with COVID. Um, so we didn't want to be in limbo anymore. Kind of done truck camping, so we decided you know to look for something that we could um, fix up and and have fun with in the meantime. Uh, I've been looking a little bit, bit through your, your YouTube videos, and I know you've been on trawlers, catamarans, monohulls, vans, uh, campers. So I want to jump back to the beginning and hear how it all started for both of you. Did you both grow up on the water? Yes, we definitely both did, but neither of us grew up sailing. Um, both center console boats just in the family, and you want to go first? Yeah, I, I grew up on in Long Island, New York. So uh, I grew up summertime going to the beach, you know, on center consoles and stuff like that, just playing around the water. Um, as I got into college, I uh, started ocean lifeguarding. So that was like my dream job. And I did that for 12, 12 summers um, from college on. And um, yeah, and, and in high school and college, I really got into kiteboarding. So that was actually my transition. That was my first real sailing experience but, yeah you know i didn't know it at the time also in college while we were lifeguarding we bought i bought this old 500 hundred dollar houseboat that my friends and some of my family helped me fix up and my friends and i would crash on it uh during the summer over on fire island so we'd lifeguard during the day and you know hang out in the houseboat on weekends and just you know it'd be a, a place to like basically it was our beach house basically yeah so that was kind of fun. But also you must have learned how to fix up an old boat. Yeah, so my dad always had old boats behind his garage growing up. So uh, he said, you know, once I got into, what, ninth or 10th grade or something, we had an old 13-foot Boston Whaler that was upside down with holes in it. And he was like, yeah, he's like, you can fix it up and, and use it, and I'll get an engine for you and all that. So that's how I started, like, messing with fiberglass and sanding and all that jazz and uh from there yeah we we did that and then we fixed it up we used it for a bit sold it and then 
did the next boat that was behind the garage, a little 16 foot whaler. And we we weren't making these things perfect. They were just super functional. Yeah. Um, and I had that 16 foot whaler for, I don't know, man, like close to at least 15 years or something. Sarah, how about you? I grew up surfing and fishing and all of that good stuff, but I had no experience sailing until Billy sailed down to Florida. Yeah, I grew up in Florida, Florida. Jupiter, Florida, beautiful, beautiful place to grow up. Still one of my favorite places. uh, You should probably introduce Jetty here. She wants to say hi. If you hear barking going on, that is our dog, Jetty, in the background. (laughs) She is eight years old. She's a rescue and she loves the boat life. Um, but not a super fan of strangers just because of her background, but she's doing good. We're feeding her a handful of treats, and she's, she's doing she's well. She's treating us all right so far. So I grew up in Florida fishing, surfing, um, and all of that good stuff. I was a competitive swimmer, so loved the water. I had never fixed up a boat, never done any projects, nothing like that. My dad was always into that. He would buy, like, holes of boats and then kind of design them from there for his sake of so that wasn't foreign to you no no definitely wasn't it wasn't foreign to me to watch it was foreign for me to do i was never handed the sand or any of that um which is (laughs) now one of my favorite tools but you know (laughs) um so yeah um that sarcasm i couldn't (laughs) partially yes and partially no (laughs) but back to how you guys met so you went from from kiteboarding to to actually sailing on a sailboat that Sarah mentioned that you sailed down to Florida. Right, so yeah. How so how did that happen? In in college, my buddy took me out sailing on a sunfish, and he was like, I'll teach you how to sail. And so we started sailing a sunfish. I'm like, man, this is the same exact thing as kiteboarding, except the sail is like <laughs> always in this direction, and you just got to sheet in and sheet out. And from there, like as I was finishing up college, I realized, you know, I had this houseboat that didn't really move. So I, well, let me sell this and get a cruising sailboat, and I can go like. I, I lived for summers, so yeah. I just wanted to sail south and get in a warm place where I can kite and surf. And Now, let me stop you just a second. So, I mean, you had the the basics of sailing with the sunfish and the, uh, the kite surfing, but how did you go from that to a cruising sailboat and thinking, oh, okay, I could actually take this and go farther? you know, and really go somewhere. Well, first it was just the idea of just, you know, how can, just the idea of it. I followed um, Liz Clark. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah, well. so I, in, in college, I remember going to the library in college and checking out her website and yeah. always looking for an updated blog, you know, blog article on her website. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, I don't know where the idea originated from, but she was definitely one of the people I started following for uh, that lifestyle. Um, but, yeah, so I had the idea, and then finally I, just, I kept reading about cruising, and I read uh, a couple of books my buddy gave me. It was like 10 or 15 small boats that'll take you anywhere, uh-huh. and then 10 or 15 uh, uh, affordable boats that'll take you anywhere, and just learning like what makes a good cruising sailboat and just learning as much as I could. Um, and then finally, one day I pulled up to the parking lot. Some Sometimes I take my little Boston Whaler to lifeguarding, but sometimes we take the ferry. So I pulled up to the ferry parking lot, and across the canal, there's a boat yard, yeah. and I saw a boat over there. I was like, oh, that's like some of these boats that I've been looking at. Like, it was a full full keel, and it was a double-ender, you know, canoe stern. And I was like, that kind of looks like, like these cruising boats, but it looks a little small. So I went over there, and it was the beginning of the lifeguarding season, and I asked about it, and they were like, ah, oh, they're like, it's been sitting here for a while, just make an offer. And 
and I said, all right, well, let me make some money first because I was in college and it was broke because it was spring. And then by the end of summer, I'd have some money. So uh, so at the end of the summer, I went back and I was like, all right, like, what do you guys really want for it? And they're like, man, we're going to scrap it in a month if no one takes it. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just pay you to put it in the water and I'll take it off your hands. And they're like, just give us 800 bucks and we'll put it in the water for you. So that's what I bought Tula for, for 800 bucks. <laughs> nice. Spent a year fixing her up. And These boats are out there. That's what you guys are proving. If you look around for them, I mean, you just walk around any boat yard and there are so many boats that need love and attention. And somebody is saying, oh, I'll get to it one day, but they never really will. We get this question a lot, like ask, asking for our advice on that kind of stuff. And sometimes I'm reluctant to give it because I don't think that route is the right route for everybody. Mm -hmm. And they say sometimes the most expensive boat is a free boat. That's true. So there's definitely a caveat and a balance there. But if you're hands-on and you have the dream and you get a boat with good bones and a decent following, like you, you, I don't know, you can't really go too wrong. You also kind of have to know what you're looking at. Yeah. Have enough knowledge to know that, okay, this boat isn't going to, I'm not going to spend the next 10 years making this boat able to float right i think something you said earlier is really interesting you were talking about working with your dad and fixing up the boston whalers and you said yeah you know and we were never really trying to get them perfect but we wanted to get them usable and that seems to be the ethos that's carried through with all these boats right definitely definitely the the main goal is to make them strong and seaworthy <laughs> this is another conversation we have often with you know our cruising friends and stuff like there's something to be said about boats being perfect and looking beautiful and just just perfection right like a bristol finish yeah but there's also a point where you're going to spend all of your time and all of your energy and all of your money getting that boat perfect, and you may never get to travel on it. So I think we've gotten to the point where 80% is good enough. Yeah. <laughs> 80% is it's going to look great. It's going to be functional, um, but you're going to be able to get it done and go rather than spend your entire life in the boatyard. I think we've struck a good balance for for us at least. I know right. people who are perfectionists might it might not be a good balance like what we've come to because they might be cruising on this boat and it's driving them crazy that there's I don't know crazing in the gel coat. In well, how do you think about safety in in regards to that? You know, you say okay, we're we think we're we're good enough. We can go off traveling, but what do you how do you think about in terms of we need to get this, these boxes checked before we. That's so funny. We have so many friends that are so that would be so into answering that question. And I think for us, it's just, is the boat going to sink? <laughs> Can you do everything in your power to make sure that boat is not going to sink? And if something happens, what is your plan? Um, so, okay, number one, how do you make sure the boat doesn't sink? You're working on them right now. Yeah, just checking out the through holes and seacocks and filling some in and stuff like that. Yeah, I think Sierra's right. Like, we're... And we definitely have taken risks, but all that is, I think, relative, like risks and safety. And we get a lot of comments on our YouTube channel about things we do wrong. But at some point, it's a personal choice and it's overkill. But And it's also very different because the kind of cruising we do on the last trawler and that we would do on this trawler, we're not crossing oceans. Like yeah. if we were about to cross an ocean, like we probably will on our new cat, like there is going to be very big safety measures taken in place. And we always do take in safety measures and we have all the required safety gear and everything like that. Um, a satellite phone, a, a plan. So somebody knows that you're going to arrive. And if you don't arrive, they know to be on the lookout or call the Coast Guard or whatever. But 
do we have a life raft? Have we ever had a life raft? No, but we have an inflatable dinghy. Like, <laughs> where do you cut corners and where do you not? It all depends. And, like, in that example, like, on our last catamaran, it was a uh, foam cord hull, so we know that boat could literally never sink. Again, there's always a balance. If you save up for every single safety piece of safety gear that, that's out there, again, you'll never go sailing. Yep. But like Sierra said, like, and I think Andy Shell says this, uh, it, Keep the water out and keep the stick up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I, that's a great, yeah. And then just yeah. think about the, like, we think about uh, scenarios. Like, if this breaks, can we still get back to where, wherever? Can we, first off, not sink? And can we get to where we need to go? And then just think about those scenarios and then some redundancy. And I think that's about it. On the sailboat, definitely the rig, too. Like, on Adrenaline, we redid um, all of the running rigging and everything like that because that is – and the standing rigging because that is, like, something that is very, very important. And if that does go down, like Billy just said, keep the stick up. Um, so that was one of the things that we made sure to do before we did any big, like, sails. Right. And Adrenaline was a catamaran that you guys sailed on together. So let's jump back to your first sailboat, Tula. This uh, boat you got for, what well, you said, $800. So you fixed her up, sailed her around the Northeast, and then where? Yeah, just I did a little shakedown trip um, once I got her mostly fixed up. And we went out to Nantucket, visited my cousin out there, and then sailed back to Long Island, uh, did some more things that I figured out on the shakedown. And then like a week before Thanksgiving, I left by myself and cruised south down the coast, um, mostly day sailing, like inlet to inlet, but yeah. I, I stayed offshore one or two days in a row at times. Do you remember what you were thinking, what the experience was like? I mean, that was the first time really heading off on your own in yeah. this boat. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of learning. Like, I still, I was not a super proficient sailor, so it's definitely a lot of learning. Yeah, but tell them a good story. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, tell us uh, one, one time that you got one. a close call. <laughs> uh, it was, she was a small boat, the 26-foot, but really solid boat for 26 feet double ender good cruising boat um so on my way back from my shakedown um i was coming from newport to montauk um i don't know what's that 40 miles or something not very far and uh that's this is where i learned like about how strong currents could be and how they could affect you because the currents around their rip and they're tough to predict i don't know do you know eldridge Eldridge is like the current uh, guide around there. Okay. So you can you can use Eldridge, and now you can do it on Navionics, and you can see like at what tides, which way the currents are flowing, and how how fast as well, because they're not what they seem to be like at least in my head at the time. Right. So anyway, I was sailing from Newport to Montauk, and I made it off of Block Island, and I was perfect, cl- uh, close hauled, and perfect angle straight from Mon- uh, Lake Montauk, and. As soon as I got just a little past Block Island, I started getting blown way off my course. The wind started picking up, and it was the current pushing me. I didn't, I didn't realize at the time, and uh, and I tried to tack, and I was still just getting pushed way downwind by the wind and the current. And man, so I I took the sails down, I turned the engine on, and I just pointed at the Montauk Lighthouse, and I was just aiming for that, like just suffering into these like four or five foot short steep waves and pretty wet yeah i was getting soaked i was so uncomfortable all i wanted to do was get into lake montauk and just be sheltered and comfortable and and (laughs) i had to take a leak and (laughs) 
I knew that if I let it was a tiller steering. Yeah. And I knew if I let go to take my oil slicks off, like I was going to lose like an hour of distance. Yeah. So I just peed my pants. <laughs> right and in the there coffee. you go. Sometimes you got it. <laughs> hey, it keeps you warm. Yeah. For, for, <laughs> for a bit. For a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but I wow. learned a valuable lesson there. A couple. But the main one was just like, I think have a plan B and like don't hesitate to turn to that plan B. Like if I just turned off the wind and sailed into Block Island Harbor. Yeah. It would have been fine. I could have just, I would have been comfortable in an hour and just waited out the weather, figured out what was going wrong, and then, and then gone again in the morning or whatever, yeah. you know, instead yeah. of, you know, I easily could have broke something on the boat just because I was trying to push for this one thing that wasn't working out. I mean, it's those lessons. I've definitely been there on the tiller and not been able to take a break going up the intercoastal waterway. Suddenly realized I should have had a plan for this <laughs> but you made it to florida you must have met somebody there <laughs> yeah so i once i got to florida i was pretty broke and i was like all right i just need to find a cool town where i can get a job like a place i kind of like and it's warm and, and and save up some more money to keep going so but you almost went right by jupiter didn't that's you? that's right yeah so i i was motoring by jupiter on the intercoastal and uh I was like, oh, man, it doesn't look like any great anchorages. Like, maybe I could get in that little cove or that little channel or whatever and, and anchor there. I don't know. So I just kept going. I was like, maybe I'll try Palm Beach or whatever. So, But, like, a couple miles down, just south of Indian Town Bridge, uh, my coupling broke the um, where the shaft meets the back of the engine or uh -huh. the back of the transmission. And I was like, oh, shoot. So... So I made a temporary repair. I think I just used some bolts and kind of put it back together and just went real slow. And I was like, all right, I'll stop in that little cove I saw back there. So sure enough, that's what I did. And I dropped the hook and I just started walking around town looking for a job. And uh, one of the places I went was the kite paddleboard shop where Sierra was working at the time. Um, so I gave him my application and Sierra called my references. And um, yeah, sure enough, I started working there. Nice. So we, yeah, we were, yeah. What do you remember, Sierra, about Billy walking into the <laughs> shop? Oh, God, he looked and smelled. <laughs> I did not smell. He didn't look bad, but your feet stank, man. I remember for the first, so we ended up hiring him. I called all of his references. And for the first week, I was like, I made you put your shoes outside. Yeah, because my <laughs> your feet smell so bad. <laughs> um, but we were friends for like a good year. We worked together and we served together and um, we were just, it was meant to be. So we started dating and very quickly um, after that, I don't know what my parents were thinking when they let me move on a boat with this like stranger that I hadn't been dating that long. But I moved on Little Tula with him and we did our first sail. And I had grown up going to the Bahamas, so I was so excited um, to show Billy the Bahamas. I was like, we have to go here and it's going to be amazing. And we had like, I think like two months um, time to like travel. And we set sail for the Bahamas, and we made it halfway, and we were not moving. We were pretty much going backwards. That is when I realized that I don't think Billy knew all as much as you thought you did about sailing. And I think we both learned a lot that trip about, like, the currents and... The currents again. Yes, <laughs> the currents and everything. So it was miserable. I was seasick. I think you even threw up that trip. I think that might have been the only time I've ever seen you throw up while sailing was that first trip. And I was like, man, I hate sailing. This sucks. Like and This was your a, first sailing yeah, trip. Yeah, on wow. a motorboat. Like, literally, like, you press a throttle and you'll be there in three hours. We had spent, like, I think, like, a total of 
eight hours maybe just banging into the waves and the wind and we weren't even halfway and at that point like I know the Bahamas water I know we shouldn't be getting there at night and especially with a deeper draft boat like Tula and somewhere that we've never been together and navigated the water together like so we turned around and we regrouped in and we ended up spending a whole month in the Keys, I think. So you had learned something from that Block Island experience. You, you threw in the towel. And I think I threw in the towel, <laughs> but I think you wanted to keep going. And I was like, there's no way. We well, see, we this is what he learned is that he should have somebody with him <laughs> who was wiser. To tell you, yeah, exactly. That's the real lesson. I don't know. I you think. No, I think I was, yeah, I kind of did, but I think I was up for whatever. But yeah, it was just, uh, we never crossed the Gulf Stream before. So we started yeah. down in like Key Largo and it was an easterly wind, which like we were, I was like, all right, we'll just close haul and kind of let the Gulf Stream push us up a little while right. we're trying to make as steep of an angle as we can. As long as you don't have a north wind, right? Right. We should be good. Right. But man, we were not making a great angle, going real slow, and the current was just ripping us like way well north of, mm. you know, the Abacos and we were all so overpowered. We had just, we were very into paddleboard racing at that point, and yeah. I had just gotten a brand new paddleboard, and it was on the side of the boat on our racks, and it was just, it had a huge hole in it just from being like banged oh, up in the waves. Man. I was like, this is terrible. But Sierra, <laughs> you didn't say never again, obviously. I did for a while. Actually. You did. For, okay. <laughs> sail around the keys like you yeah, said for did. a month and the keys was fun it was awesome but it was so like disheartening like we had these plans we we're gonna go to the bahamas and now we're in the keys and the keys are keys are great but they're not the bahamas yeah and if you've been you know yeah tula was only 26 feet and it was me and billy jetty wasn't with us at that point she had actually just been i have to stop for just a second because yeah. you mentioned jetty and i am so impressed that you are not only telling all these stories and talking <laughs> but you are feeding jetty to keep her quiet at the same I'm time i'm doing so. everything in my power to make <laughs> her not bark so job. please ignore all the dog slime and hair and <laughs> no, that's fine. Jetty will be remembered in this podcast. Yeah. So um, it was just me and Billy on that trip. Jetty is normally with me no matter where we go, but she had actually just been attacked um, by a Great Dane. And it was um, part of the issue why she's not so great with people right now. Um, so she was with my parents. They were keeping her. She was like, I think, three months into recovery, but I just wasn't ready to bring her over to the Bahamas and deal with all of that yeah. stuff. Um, little did we, did we know we were going to be in the Keys. But yes, it was two of us, and the boat was very small for 26 two feet people. is a small boat. <laughs> we didn't have a shower. We didn't really have a bed. Um, we had like the two like settees, but, and you had like made this like pallet contraption where we could put foam like in the middle. But then every day we'd like take them up, and then I don't now think here's the, the bathroom key question. worked. Yeah, was there a head? There was, but did it? It leaked every time you pumped. It like leaked into the closet. It was. <laughs> so you guys got to know each other pretty well, pretty quickly. Yes, yes we did. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still together a whole seven years so that, later. That so. says a lot. That says um, a lot. But it was really fun. So. I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I had actually grown up going over to the Bahamas with our good friends, and we'd spend two, three, four weeks at a time on the boat with them, living on their... How big is their boat? I don't even yeah, remember like anymore. 40 foot or 45 foot? Yeah, so, and with their three daughters and her parents, so I'm used to, like, I was used to living on a boat and saving water and all that stuff, so once we were, like where we wanted to be and like snorkeling and everything it was perfect it was just like the getting places that was a little difficult on the monohull <laughs> yeah yeah so the time in the keys kind of made you was was enjoyable at least 
It definitely was enjoyable, but as soon as that trip was over, I think we both knew we needed a bigger boat. And at that point, I wasn't, like, super set on sailing. (laughs) So I don't know what we were looking for. I don't even know if we had anything super in mind. But a friend had reached out to Billy and was like, hey, like, I know you like good boat deals. Like, I have this good boat deal. Do you want to take us up? Do you want me to, like, find out more for you? And then I think they sent us a couple photos. And I was like, wow, that's got so much more room. Like, (laughs) let's do it. And what was that? That was a 34-foot marine trader trawler. It was 1974 or three. I can't remember. One of those. Um... And, yeah, they had started redoing it because it was an old boat, obviously, um, but they weren't quite finished. But they had, like, gotten a lot of the rot from the inside out, but the decks were still really rotted. Um, The boat needed a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but I think we were... I didn't run away. I didn't say absolutely not. I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And you were down. It was for sale for four thousand dollars so that's another thing like that's a really good deal for that boat like especially because the engine worked like yeah that's that money right so there. and so that must have been sierra your introduction to getting a sander in your hand <laughs> getting some tools and hands-on experience yes. actually working on a boat what yes it was <laughs> tell so me about that that summer um billy was obviously lifeguarding i hadn't started lifeguarding yet i was interning um at the school um at the college for marine bio with billy's cousin which was awesome and then the other days of the week i was inside with a sander sanding pretty much the entire inside of the boat because we painted wow. the entire inside of the boat right i remember sanding when you were you were at work all day long um but it was fun like it's super cool like I'm not a huge fan of sanding but I love painting and obviously you have to sand to paint so uh-huh. once the sanding's over and you get that first coat of paint on it's like a miracle like this place has transformed you, she really likes to see the transformation that like it is gratifying isn't yes, it it is and even today I was like we pulled up from the gym and our neighbor um he was out in his like bottom painting suit and I was like oh, is he painting today like I got so excited for him he's just sanding but <laughs> Well, you're welcome to come over. I've got a bottom of these paintings. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, man. Um, yes, that's next on the list. But I should imagine we, we just met here in the boatyard because you guys just hauled, and I have my, my boat hauled here to do some some work. So that's that's how we connected here. So that was the next project, and that was your first project together. That yeah. must have been special. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I. I can't remember a ton about work. It's been so long, though, like a ton about working on the boat. I remember like we were up to like two in the morning one one evening trying to finish the upholstery, like the, you know, doing the upholstery. Were there moments where you just couldn't stand each other and it was like this or frustrated with the boat and the work or, you know, I think there was like two nights where like I slept in the V birth or something. But we lived on that boat for three years. So that's pretty good. That is pretty good. I mean, I get the question all the time, like, where do you go when you have a fight? <laughs> what do you do? I think we have learned, we have learned from those, like, first big fights on the boat. Like, you can't go to bed separate. Like, you gotta, someone's got to say sorry or you're just not going to bed. So Yeah, yeah. there's not that much space to, to, to storm off and take a walk. Yeah, exactly. Unless you take the dinghy ashore. One you want to share? Uh, Sure, why not? Well, should we do that? That's that's the next boat story. That's <laughs> oh, well, okay, so where did you take this boat? We bought it on Long Island. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we sold Tula in Florida and then drove up to Long Island, bought it there. And we spent the summer there fixing her up, and then we brought her down to Florida. And uh, what we do with most of the boats, like, we'll do projects. Like, we'll do a big project. Like, the deck needs to be, like, reglassed and everything. And then 
we'll be done with that and then we'll do a trip and then we'll come back and we'll, okay the windows need to be fixed and we'll do the windows so I can't remember the first set of projects I think it was all interior stuff on the trawler and then we brought it all the way back down to Florida and we did a big trip in the Bahamas for like a month I think and then back and then we did a lot of exterior and I was in school you were teaching kiteboarding but every day you got done with kiting you would come home and do all the rot- rotted wood on the deck and that took months those are long days yeah yeah, yeah, especially teaching kiting all day, like you know, oh. out in the sun and the water yeah. elements. But I mean, I don't. We just did what we had to do, I think, because we just we we knew, especially when the season ended. Like, so we were lifeguarding in the summer, or I was, and then cruise, and then teaching kiteboarding in the winter, and then cruise in the spring. And here's a question for you: uh, You had that boat for three years, you said. Mm-hmm. Is it hard putting in all that work? And then moving on to an another boat. I cry boat. every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 It's far. It's definitely hard because it's not like, and we were talking about this the other day because we recently sold our sailing catamaran, who we spent the most time on and did the most work on, and I was a wreck, man. Adrenaline. <laughs> because not only is before, it like yeah. your home that you put all this work into, but you also travel on it, and it keeps you safe and like in these yeah. weathers, and it takes you to different countries, and like boats are important to us. <laughs> Do you see yourselves continuing to do that with a like sequence of boats? Is that what you enjoy, or is it um, like towards a goal of like let's find the boat? Billy's done a total of four: the houseboat, Tula, the monohull, the trawler, then our catamaran. I've done two with him. Now this is our third together. Um, and after that cat where we did the most work on, I said, uh, it's time for a new boat. Like, it's not time to be like messing with rotted wood and all of this stuff. Like, let's get a new boat. <laughs> and so we worked really hard to be able to do that, which we did. And look where we are now. <laughs> so, okay. Boat. Well, let's, let's, <laughs> before we get to that new boat, which I want to get to, we got to get to adrenaline mainly because we got to get to the good story. <laughs> Um, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you've set us up for that. You can't, you can't renege now. Um, but adrenaline is the cat that you got after the trawler, right? And so, as I understand it from watching your videos, you guys almost went off the water. Yeah, that's right, actually. Yeah, Sierra really wanted to do a truck camping trip or some sort of road trip and we were thinking about driving all the way down to like Patagonia or something. Uh-huh. And we were, I think even after, or while, while we were selling Neverland or around that time. And I was like, man, I was like, do you really want to get off the water? Like I love being on the water. Yeah. And, and I've done some road trips in the past and I'm like, they're cool, but you end up, you, if, unless you're paying for campsites and stuff, a lot of the times you are staying in Walmart parking lots. And I don't know. I was like, are you sure you want to get on the water? And she's like, well, and and I had sailing in my mind still. Like I I like sailing. Um, and she's like, well, if you can, maybe if we get a catamaran, we can stay on the water. So I scoured Craigslist and and all everything, and I found the this old beat up forty foot Crowther cat from the eighties. And uh and yeah, so she said, all right, and we bought that sucker. And where was that? That was in Florida in okay. Fort Pierce. Um, but again, that so that was a boat that uh has like like kind of a cult following um really they were built for performance like performance cruising and small to today's catamaran you know sizes but you know that's what it was back in the day was like 40 foot um overall length um 20 foot beam but very extremely narrow hulls and like only a partial bridge deck cabin so I forget what type that is, but like the bridge, the the cabin did not enclose both hulls. You had to go outside the main cabin to get down into each hull. 
Um, but again, like once I saw how much of a following there was for these boats and the reputation of the designer and um, and then we went on the boat and we saw the bones were still good, the hulls and the beams and stuff like that. Um, we decided, yeah, and, and we liked how it looked and we liked the idea of sailing efficiently and quickly. And so, yeah, that's what we bought. And you took that boat all down through the Caribbean, right? Yeah, yeah. So we bought it in Fort Pierce. We did a ton of work on it for a few months. We and then forgot to mention, like our, no- our number one requirement for buying any of these boats, it has to be a really good deal. And for that boat particularly, um, the guy was a Canadian guy, and he didn't write super well in English. And the ad was, it wasn't a great ad. It said, like, catamaran for adventure, not meant for charter, very low headroom. Like, it was very negative ad. So uh-huh. And the pictures were terrible, um, just, like, bad quality. Um, so most people looking at it we're like oh like no i'm this isn't for me but for us it's like oh like it could be a good deal like we are not very tall headroom doesn't matter we're not planning on chartering it like it's in the budget that we're willing to spend and we see potential for it being worth a lot more let's go look at it so we flew from new york and went down to florida we said um can you please hold it for us because we saw it online and he said he had a couple people looking and he held it for a couple months i think for us yeah yeah yeah, it's having that different perspective to say, oh, maybe this is a diamond in the rough. Yeah, yeah. The, there's usually something, like the boats we've found, there's usually something about them where it's uh, it's not really getting marketed out to the masses. And th- and there's, that's just like this boat, just like our uh, trawler that was never on the market, and just like this catamaran that was just kind of listed not well and bad pictures and stuff. Okay, so before we're off adrenaline and on to the next boat, because we're moving through them quick here. <laughs> <laughs> what was the tell us the story of uh, the dinging ashore? Okay, I don't even remember why we got in an argument. Like, stupid. we really don't. It always to- is. We are literally <laughs> together 24 7, about 300 and. 60 days a year like <laughs> pretty much and um so this was just one of those days where one of us was in a bad mood and then both of us turned into being Th- in this mood. day you were in a bad mood <laughs> there's right. no, no sure. judgment in terms of you guys fighting because there would be something there would be something wrong if you were together that much and you didn't occasionally get on each other's nerves <laughs> but for like i can usually remember like oh i remember he did this or i did this or oops i shouldn't have yeah. done that but i really can't we were probably hungry we were probably eating fish for like three weeks but yeah. um we got an argument and it just escalated so fast and i was like i need to get out of here so i took jetty on the dinghy and i was going to the beach and i was like you can miss me <laughs> um and i ended up hitting a rock and denting our propeller and i had to come back and apologize so and then i had to come back and apologize for also ruining the propeller. <laughs> she ran up onto ba- almost like dry reef because she headed off straight into the sunset. And <laughs> and she comes back crying. She's like, I'm sorry. She's like, I'm also sorry for ruining the engine. <laughs> which, was, which was brand new, by the way. Oh, brand new engine. Well, at least it puts things in perspective, right? Moral of the story, don't leave in a dinghy angry. You might yeah. hit a reef. <laughs> Doing anything when you're that tensed up geared up and that's why tragedies happen at sea so often as you get scared or angry or something and then it just escalates out of control right yeah how do you guys think about budget for replacing gear like when you lose an engine or things like that number one thing is try to fix it ourselves i think do as much research as possible and try to figure out a way to make whatever we have work if that fails, if it's a very important part, it's got to be something, I don't know, if it comes with a warranty or do research and make sure it's a good brand or something. Like, if it's a vital part, we're happy spending the money to make sure it's going to last and work. 
and we've always been on tight budgets for these boats. So we've just kind of, and that's, I guess that's part of the reason, like Sierra said before, we kind of pick a project and get that done and then we'll go cruise for a bit and then pick another project. Right. Cause uh, you can't get everything done and then go cause you never go. Right. And, and just the, like, especially once we started documenting our travels and YouTube started and, and the rest of it started to become our career, then traveling was okay. Like it was almost like, especially when we traveled in the Bahamas, we actually saved a lot of money cause we would hmm. spearfish every day and there weren't, weren't, we weren't, weren't around restaurants to go out to eat and we weren't doing boat work really. And like spending money on supplies. So like we'd actually save a little bit of money doing that. So since you, I mean the, the budget question, obviously brings us naturally to the YouTube stuff. Um, when did you guys start doing that? If for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen your videos, you can find them Tula's Endless Summer, right? Right, yep. Okay, just go to YouTube and search Tula's Endless Summer. How did you get started doing that? So I've always been interested in making videos. Like I took a video editing class in high school and just for fun. I didn't do many and it's just kind of a mild interest. Um, I, I wish I had started filming when I redid Tula, you know, the original sailboat and all that, I filmed a little bit cruising down the coast, just some shots here and there. Um, but then I think the thing that really sparked it was, and even in Florida, like we would kite and surf and I'd do some fun little edits, like just, just yeah. whatever for fun. But the thing that really sparked it was I, I gave a kite lesson to this guy, Stefan and his wife and, and him also have a YouTube channel. Her, it was her channel originally. It was called Hannah Mags. And it was like a beauty channel or something like that. Uh -huh. And then they, they kind of started turning it into a family vlog channel. So I gave a kite lesson to this guy and he was telling me about what he did. And, you know, at the end of the lesson, he's like, man, you could do something like that. And I was like, really? I was like, I kind of like to edit video and, and share stories and stuff. He's like, yeah. He's like, I'd could, they were from England, the UK. And, uh, He's like, I'd love to be in rainy old UK and like watching and seeing what you're up to here in sunny Florida, like kiting and surfing. I was like, oh, all right, cool. And and I guess there's potential to make a career off of it or or do it at least part time and make some money. Um, so I like that idea. So I started doing a little more, especially as we were traveling seasonally. And my goal and this isn't the main focus of our channel is to make money. It's just to we like to do it. But we also have to make a career. So my goal was to make a dollar a day from YouTube. Okay. So I said, if we can make a dollar a day, then I know that we can just scale it. And sh sure enough, we could probably turn it into our full-time job. And, and that's what happened. Like, yeah, one month, it was $30 for that month. And I was like, all right, let's keep doing this. That's cool. I mean, I've heard other people say that, too. Like When I talked to um, Brady and Blue from Delos, and they were saying, you know, don't do this if you don't love making the videos. There's a lot faster ways to make a lot more money. <laughs> and that, I'd say that goes in, like, people think we, like, and Sierra's, we, like, flip boats. Like, we don't flip boats to make money. It's just kind of part of. It's how it helps f uh, make this journey possible. Like, we couldn't do these trips unless we found this boat super cheap and fixed it up ourselves. And then yeah. when we're ready to do the next trip on the bigger boat, like, it just helps fund that. It doesn't help make us money. Yeah. But, but both those things, like you doing YouTube for a living or like flipping, but it's like, yeah, it's not a super efficient way to make money. Like you're better. Like I was certainly better off working as a kiteboard instructor and making money doing that and then just saving it up and then going cruising. But we like to do the boat work and we like to film our trips. It enables what you want to be doing. Yeah. 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 
and and so many people throughout um the past couple years have said like you guys could do charters you could do like and they're certainly right we could make a lot more money doing charters but part of what we do like the beauty of it is like us being together in these super cool places and entertaining other people like I guess we're doing that anyway on camera but it's different it's just us and it's for us rather than being there for someone else you know yeah yeah but so uh, about that how when does it ever get weird how much you share what you decide to share and not share you know you just say oh we're gonna an open book you guys are very honest about you know the finances of of doing all this and what you bought the boats for but is there ever that line you're like, mm, this feels a little... Man, always. Like, we're always second-guessing or, or talking about what we should share and what we shouldn't. Um, when we, I think the harder part is when we should share it lately is harder because, like, it takes a long time to edit videos, but then we are also on Instagram and Facebook and all this stuff, and, like, captions and photos usually come out better like right when it happens so if we're waiting two months for the video to come out for us to post on instagram and stories and all this stuff like it just doesn't come out as well when on instagram like today i'm filming the boat work or whatever and i think people really like that but then people get confused because they're like i just watched a video of you in michigan but now you're in napa <laughs> valley like so that's yeah. i think for me that's the hardest part figuring out when to share i'm pretty much an open book lately like you want to know how much we bought the boat for sure you want to know how much we sold the boat for sure whatever like it helps people understand and and sierra like you said it in a way you said it in response to what people's reactions and com mostly comments and stuff to us throughout the year because what i was going to say is you know you get all sorts of comments on social media and youtube and stuff and, and this is the not so glamorous part of it and i'm not complaining or anything like right. it comes with the territory sure. and we wouldn't trade it for the world but those comments uh, they make you second guess like what you do share like you know and even if it's not conscious subconsciously like and I, and I finally have caught myself a few times like why am I not sharing this or or filming this and I'm like oh because like I remember back like one time someone said something and blah 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 and I was like oh that's so stupid though and it's all, you know, it's like negativity bias. It's yeah. you only, even subconsciously, kind of keep those uh, criticisms in your head. And that, so yeah, that's been a challenge to recognize that and to make sure we're still sharing. Because what works best on YouTube is just the natural raw stuff. Right. Um, and it's it's just such a balance of like. And it's helpful to see other people screw up, honestly. You know, I'm watching all kinds of videos saying, how do I do this i'm not sure oh well let me watch five videos and see the different ways that people did it but i can totally see like i'm tackling all kinds of projects i don't know how to do until i do them and to have that voice in the back of my head amplified by somebody online saying you did it wrong could be <laughs> tough yeah yeah and uh, man i think the important thing the thing that we do is just try not to pretend we're experts yeah you know we i try a lot like if i'm doing a boat project especially like i try to say you know i'm not an expert or this is my first time or whatever just say what i i know and and just don't don't pretend to be an expert like you yeah. know don't pretend i have all the answers so and hopefully the core of the audience recognizes that 
back to your question of things we decide to and to not share. Like, we don't share, we try our very best not to ever film, like, us arguing or upset or, like, any of that drama. On YouTube, drama, like, gets you views, but we want to share something that makes someone leave happy, not, like, yeah. upset. So Well, that's why this episode is going to be such a hit, because you told that story <laughs> about you guys fighting. <laughs> We're all Girl about scandal leaves. here. <laughs> Girl leaves him and runs up on dry reef. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely didn't film that on YouTube. <laughs> no, but no, I, I hear that. So even that, like, even what you just said is a balance, because, like, we try to share like be natural and share most of it but like that's we also want to share the reality like it's yeah. not perfect 24 yeah. 7 and we do get in arguments and it is hard and this life is not perfect by any means it's not easy but like we like it you might not like it but we like it i think that's the attitude that you have to have right i mean like you were saying we're not an expert and this isn't for everyone that's a great approach yeah. you guys sold that cat and then you did go on a road trip for a while right that's right. But before we sold the cat, you want to tell Yeah. So about halfway through owning the catamaran, we realized how much we really did love the catamaran and living that life and sailing the Caribbean and like just knowing like we want to do this for like a really long time. But I don't think this boat is per se the perfect boat for us to have a family on or like, I don't know, spend the next 15 years on. So we were like, OK, well what do we want? Like, what would be our next boat? And I was like, um, I think we both were thinking something newer because we were sick of digging out the rotted wood and leaks and all of this stuff. Um, so we had a couple boats like in mind, but specifically a sea wind sailing catamaran. And we got to go on a couple at boat shows and we talked to a couple people and they love them. And like the first time we stepped on them, we were like, okay, this is the boat for us. Tell us about the sea wind. I'm not familiar with the sea wind. Yeah. Cats. So it is, it's a company out of Australia. They're now built in Vietnam. They're s- very similar to adrenaline in the way that they're simple. They're not like More a performance c- cats. Yes. Not super performance, mm-hmm. but also not like a giant condomoran. And yeah. the inside, God, God, like... I haven't heard that before. <laughs> I like that term, <laughs> condomoran. Oh, you'll hear that a lot now. So some of our friends who have sailed a lot of cats, they said they're... And owned a lot of cats. They said their favorite boat ever was a sea wind. So, so it's just it was on our mind. And finally, we got to a few boat shows, and we stepped on these sea winds. And we also stepped on, all you know, all the other brands sure. and... Uh, we I don't know we just we related really well to that sea wind like it felt like you were on a boat and we actually got to sail one um at one of the shows they sail well again like Sierra said they're not a condomoran they have like a, a lot of things about um you know uh, any boat but catamaran specifically is you know their uh hull beam to length ratio and you know the more carrying capacity the worse that ratio so like mm-hmm. the sea winds had a good balance it had more carrying capacity than adrenaline slightly wider holes but still a really good um hole beam to length ratio and uh power to displacement displacement ratio so like cr said not a super performance boat but a really good balance and what size did you guys uh Uh, 38 foot 38 foot. yeah so adrenaline was 40 foot but this one will be it'll be almost the same footprint um this one will actually have at least the same water line as adrenaline i believe and then inside space so yeah like i said about adrenaline like you it was the layout was just a little bit funky because it was uh slightly more for performance and older style so that's why like one of the reasons we wanted to move on from her and so you commissioned the boat new boat 
to be made. That's really, I mean, that's a big change for you guys. Definitely. Well, one, the reason we decided, like, we fell in love with the boat, and we started to, like, kind of map things out. We're like, well, we're making a career now, like, through all our, you know, YouTube and then selling, you know, merchandise and our affiliate partners and stuff like that. And we're like, I wonder if we could afford a new boat. And we started to map it out and kind of plan it out. And we're like, well, we actually could, like, if we financed it. Um, uh, it's the boat's kind of part of our business, like as unromantic mm-hmm. as that sounds, but it, it is. Yeah. And we're able to write it off and, and uh, kind of justify it as not just a luxury item. Um, so once we started mapping it out and everything, we, we realized we could afford it through financing, and that's how we went about that, yeah. Tell me what you're most excited about, Sierra, about Ooh, the new boat. Ooh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, so, it's so hard now because we're, now we're on this trawler, like, and we're like comparing things like back and forth and back and forth. But we've gotten to do a delivery very similar to the new cat we're getting. It was commissioned. Billy helped commission it, and we got to deliver it to the new owners. And then we also got to do a charter on another boat that is very, very similar to the one oh, we wow. were getting. So, so can, we've yeah. gotten to spend like a solid like two weeks on these boats. And just every bit about it, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this to be our Well, home. that's also really good because you can think then, oh, I want this oh, the yes. same and I want this different. Yes, I Absolutely. want this there. I want that there. That's like, what we're going through now is like finalizing options and stuff like that. Oh, um, that's exciting. I'll, let me t- I'll say what I, my favorite thing is about this boat. And, um, besides the sailing performance and sail- sailability is just the layout. Like I really like the uh, – like the saloon into the aft cockpit area and then how the grill is right there and it has these uh trifold doors so you can open up the whole basically the whole wall and door area that leads into the cockpit it opens up so like the saloon is connected to the cockpit opens up like garage door or yeah so they so it's that whole on a winch the whole barrier yeah it's three doors so you fold them all together and then you winch it up to the oh okay i see it folds up horizontally yeah yeah yeah. that's cool and then besides that space which is awesome um in the saloon like looking out you have like a 360 like degree view so there's so many windows and the hatches are so big and then you have hatches on the side so your ventilation is great and you have like just views of the water everywhere it's awesome room for your boards yeah yep yep we're still trying to decide where we're gonna put them but yeah some of them yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we got a lot of boards. So I understand production has been slowed by COVID. Like everything's been slowed by COVID. Yeah, so there's definitely been some delays, and COVID has been a huge part of that. Yep. Yeah, uh, that must be frustrating. Yeah, and it's it may, the main reason is because it, it's being built in Vietnam, and their right. government has been uh, just recently they've been lifted a bit, but okay. um, the restrictions have been real tight. Like the, their factory was only at thirty percent uh, workforce for months so yeah that was that was definitely delaying us so when you hoping to take delivery of that man it goes well yeah at this point uh, it's still a little bit up in the air it depends we may fly over to vietnam we'd like to do that and film some of the build and maybe even commission and sail it around over there a little bit we're not sure if that's going to happen or not um but if not if it's just straight gets finished there and shipped over to the u.s which it will anyway but um, without us being in between, we're probably looking at like early summer. Okay, I think so. Of, on, of being on, here, of yeah. being here, yeah, until early summer. Um, so you hope to get this boat in the water, or you just is this a project boat that you then hope to sell when you? What's the plan for the trawler? No, we definitely hope to get this in the water. Well, I mean, our 
priorities right now is just to take care of everything we absolutely need to while it's out of the water. So yeah. the outside, you know, the bottom, the through holes, running gear, and the painting the hull. Um, and then from there, we might um, if we might just put it in the water and do the rest of the work on the water. But no, we do hope to. I mean, we're working basically full time on this, and as well as our editing and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but we hope to be, you know, have it in cruising condition or like sometime in the early spring and hopefully cruise and work on it maybe a little bit more um, until right up until our new boat's ready and then, you know, have a dock for it. And we, we do hope to keep this boat. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to say more? <laughs> we really would like to figure out a way to turn this into an Airbnb. Ah. Um, so It'd be a good platform for an Airbnb. Yeah, right? Yeah, like, it's nice. Okay, picture an all-white, navy cushions, yeah, <laughs> yeah. teak. I'm picturing um, it. Yeah, so we would really like to do that. The hardest part about that, obviously, is getting it nice enough that someone would want to rent but also figuring out a marina that would allow you to do short-term rentals mm, yeah. that's the hardest part um so we're briefly looking at that now in between sanding and painting and ripping out stuff um but yeah that's the goal who knows if it'll happen um if not it would also be a really cool boat just to have in like the san juan islands or washington so when we're sick of the hot tropical your climates, west coast boat as opposed to your yeah, east coast boat. You know, those people with multiple houses we got multiple boats why not <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Uh, I think we really want to find a way where we can, sl- like, like, because people ask us all the time to charter with us, like Sierra said before. And yeah. I don't know, especially with Jetty, you can see right now, Jet- Sierra is constantly feeding her treats because she's so anxious with strangers <laughs> on, on her yeah. boat. So yeah. it just wouldn't really work well. But uh, maybe with this boat, we could figure out a way where we can just share it with people, whether it's Airbnb or um, part, like, you know, a, a few charters a year, like during hurricane season when our other boat is laid up. Maybe we do a few trawler charters with our And you've patrons. already got that audience, that group of people. Oh, right? yeah. Tell absolutely. me about a little bit about that that following that you have. Um, Who are they? <laughs> do you... are great. Yeah, they're we awesome. They just, yeah, th- we have 150-something thousand subscribers on YouTube. Wow. And um, our, they're all... Most of them follow us for different reasons, but I think the thing we get the most is that they like us because we're natural and we have we're like kind of bootstrappers. We've worked yeah. our way up. We have we didn't work like some, you know, fancy career and then just buy a brand new boat. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but right. they, I think it was just more relatable to more people is because we did it how they could do it. Yeah, we see them at boat shows and we see them on the water and they just want to hang out, which is cool, which is, again, is another reason. Like, I'd love to find a way to be able to share this with them even more than just um, on, you know, on YouTube. Yeah. So that's very cool. That's really cool to have that community of people who are really, you know, supportive and and like minded too, and like minded. Yeah. Um, What haven't we talked about? Either one of you that that you want to mention the new boat or Sierra's busy getting peanut butter for, for no, that's fine. As long as I can have some peanut butter too. <laughs> you're, you're a makeshift treats now. This boat more, I guess. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about this boat. Talk as much about this boat. So like we said, this is a defever. They have a super strong following. Um, well, let me tell the story about how we fe- came across this boat. Cause, and then you, <laughs> I got it in my head. Yeah. You did all the work, but I'll tell the story. Well, <laughs> <laughs> division of labor. <laughs> I don't know, that seems fair. Um, so when we realized that, all right, so we were sick of the truck camper. We drove cross country while we were in between. Wait, no, we can talk about that. We, well, 
Okay, yeah, across we'll, the we'll whole country. The it was awesome being able to do that. We wouldn't have been able to do that if the boat wasn't delayed. So as much as it kind of stunk that it was del- the new boat's delayed, like we got to take this amazing trip. Um, the middle of the country, South Dakota, Wyoming, Washington, all of that was a beautiful. Wouldn't trade it for the world. When we got to California. It was a little different because well, it, it was once we got to our charter in the San Juans and we got off the charter and we're back in the truck hamper and everything just felt a little smaller. <laughs> we realized how much we missed living on the water. We're like, yeah, again, the truck hamper thing has been amazing and experiencing what we have in this country, like all the national parks and everything has been so cool. But once we yeah. got off that charter and we're back in the truck hamper, we're like, man, we're like, we got to find a way to get back on There's the water. There's something about being on the water, even on a small boat, even on a 26-foot boat, you've got such open space. You just go up on deck, and you feel like the ocean is your backyard. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I follow – yeah, yeah. I think – and we're water people, too. Like, I follow some of our friends who are we're doing the same thing, like the truck yeah. camper, yeah. van life stuff. And they're, like, in the desert in California and stuff, you know, and seem like they're really enjoying it. But I think for – at least for me, I can't speak for you, like – my, I'd rather be on the water doing mm. that, you know? Yeah. So. It's not that one's better than the other. It's just what you prefer. Yeah. yeah exactly. I think I enjoy the whole truck camper cross country trip a little bit more than Billy just because I hadn't done it before. I'd never been to those places before. You've driven across country, but it was just super fast. So you've like driven through those places. But I was just like so in awe. Like I'm from Florida. I'm not used to mountains or like cliffs yeah, or anything like flat, that. Yeah. Like it was so new and everything was like you turn a different corner and they it, it looks different. It smells different. There's different <laughs> animals. And I absolutely loved it. But when we got to California, there weren't as many places to like boondock or free camp and uh, in the san francisco yeah, yeah and um we're not super into paying for campgrounds just because if you're paying for it every single night it adds up sure. and like that's expensive we're across it's like going to a marina every exactly night. Yeah. we're in the middle of the country there was unlimited places to camp for free and that was awesome but the camping for free in the San Francisco area was like on the street and people were kind of like giving you dirty looks because there is a big homeless problem. And a lot of the homelessness is in broken down RVs that are stuck in the front of people's houses and like they see it and they like kind of associate you with them. And it was just a little uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. Like, I is that. that in a bad, did I, does that sound bad? Like, oh, that's, uh, we were talking about this it's before. Reality, yeah. yeah. It's like, where do you, you draw the line of like well, how, and wh- how you feel, where you feel safe. Yeah, yeah. Where you feel safe and and um, where people are welcoming or not, and that makes a big difference in the experience. Whether it's on a camper or a boat, right? There are places on a boat where like it's difficult to find spots. Yeah. Definitely. So once we got that in our heads, like we were kind of we gotta get back on the water and at the same time we talked to sea wind and we got you know they were still delayed so it was like another few months so we were like all right we gotta do something we were were kind of in limbo already but now we're really in limbo like with our past boats there's always (laughs) no we our conversation (laughs) our there's always deals out there we were considering going back to Florida because we have a lot of stuff like coming up, friends' weddings, our weddings, and all that stuff. And you really wanted to build an outrigger canoe, so you thought maybe this was your time to do that. And we were like, okay, where are we going to live? My parents live there, but I think we're at the age where we don't really 
we're super grateful to always have a place to stay but like we don't want to be like living in my parents house forever you know and then we started looking up rent in that area and it was like two thousand to three thousand dollars a month for a tiny little place and we were like that's crazy like we could take that amount of money a month and put it towards a new boat that we could get new old boat that we could get value and i was like there's got to be a good boat deal somewhere there's got to be. We found them before. We can do it again. And I think you were a little hesitant at first, and I was gung-ho. And then you were like, oh, this sounds like a good idea. And I was like, oh, wait, I'm starting to remember what it was like. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't. And then I was like, okay, why not? So I posted something on YouTube, and I was like, hi, guys. Like, I'm not going to tell you too much of the story, but if you're around boat yards or boats and you see anything that's like rotting away or forgotten about that looks like it could go for super cheap and looks like something Billy and Sierra could fix up, let us know. And we got so many emails. I bet. How did you sort through those? Well, a lot of them were like boats that we could never afford. <laughs> they were like yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like forgotten about, but they were still like really nice, fancy boats. And like right now all of our money is going into the new catamaran. So we're yeah. like, we need something under our budget was ten thousand dollars if it's ready to go and just needs paint, or five thousand dollars or below if it needs like decks ripped out or engine redone or something like that um so we went through a bunch there was a couple that were like potentials one in maine one in florida um one that had like fully sunk and they were giving it away and that's where i was like okay no 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 (laughs) can't do that one but it's so cool that people are like finding these boats like yeah there's one behind me in the yard that i've never seen someone at maybe you can call them or one was like a written on flyer that wasn't posted online it was an old older guy that had had a stroke still a little bit too high on our budget scale for that one it was grand bangs and then we got an email and you want to tell this part i think um yeah, we just got an email from someone who followed, who saw the YouTube post, and she said, you know, I just posted this on the DeFever forum, but we've owned this boat for 20 years. It's just been sitting for the past, what, six years or something. We moved to Seattle. It's in San Francisco. Like, we're, we, we want to sell it to someone for $100. And I wrote her back. I was like, all right. I was like, this sounds too good to be true. I was like, do you mean $100,000? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, the fevers and like they're like Grand Banks level on trawler. Like okay. our our old marine trader was like a you know not to be mean to her, but she was like a step down in terms of like quality, ba- quality and yeah. and what people the brands that people hold to certain levels. Um, but the fever is up there, and and they have a really strong following. So um, so and I she. And the pictures look good. We're like, there's no way this is for a hundred dollars. There's no way. Yeah. So she wrote back. She's like, no, actually, literally a hundred dollars. Like, I want it to go to someone who really appreciates the boat and can bring it back to her like original beauty. Or and and she's like, I think it'd be a great idea to go to you guys because then I can see her still like on on your videos and pictures and stuff like that. So, you know, so we said, yeah, can we'll pay for the dock slip for half a month. Can you hold it until we get down there? And she's like, yeah, I can do that. When she posted it on the forum, she had a bunch of people, of course, reach out. And I think the broker had even shown it a couple of times. And we're like, we're still way up in Washington. We had just gotten off the charter. We were, like, actually on the top of Mount Rainier, like, (laughs) looking over, like, a snow-capped. We recorded all this. So looking over snow-capped, and we got an email. We're like, what? Um, So we emailed back right away. Can you hold it? And she did. We mailed a check that day, and we literally got in the car and booked it (laughs) down to Alameda, California. Okay, so the boat was in Alameda. Yeah, yeah. 
That is an awesome story. And then how did you find this yard? Um, just I think just talking to some people and then kind of Google searching. Yeah, and, there and aren't that many places in the Bay Area where you can do your own no, work. No, there so. aren't. And this, like, yeah, this place is great. This place is amazing. Yeah. They originally weren't going to be able to get us out until February, and we... No, no like late November. Oh, late November. But in Alameda, where the boat was at currently, we were having a really hard tr- time with that marina. They didn't like the truck camper, which was our only vehicle. They wouldn't let in the parking lot, but all of our stuff we needed to work on the boat oh, was there. Yeah. They wouldn't give us a key or give us access to the boat until we became owners. But the day we became owners, the boat had to get out of there because it didn't meet their standards. <laughs> or like, and, and then they had to like reapprove it to like come back. <laughs> it was like a chicken and the egg situation. Yeah. Like what comes first? Like there's literally no way for us around this. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough here. There's no space. Yeah. And especially working on your own boat. So this why that's why this is just such a gem, I I feel. Yeah, it it is. And it's a cool area. I really like driving around here and it's yeah. it's much definitely more low key than like Alameda and Oakland in that area. Yeah, yeah. And they're really professional here. And I got to meet you guys, which yeah. is awesome. So this <laughs> was great. Man. Thank you so much, both of you. Yeah. <laughs> And best of luck. I can't wait to follow this boat being fixed up and then the delivery of your new boat. Thank you, man. We can't wait either. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah, thanks for coming over and asking us questions. Yeah. (laughs) And thank you, Jetty. Well, I should say thank you, Sierra, for keeping Jetty quiet. (laughs) She's licking the pork, getting every morsel of peanut butter off of there. Jetty has been on, like, a huge diet and, like, the vet told us we need to couple, lose a couple pounds, and we did. We lost them all, well, but she, just she literally <laughs> just ate an entire <laughs> bag of treats, so we're oh. going to have some issues. Because <laughs> if her oh, mouth... Oh, Jenny, thank not. you for sacrificing <laughs> for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up the show. If you want to keep up with Billy and Sierra, find them at Tula's, that's T-U-L-A-S, Tula'sEndlessSummer.com. Or on YouTube and Instagram. You can also find me on Instagram at OutTheGateSailing or reach out to me via email at OutTheGateSailing at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Ben Shaw. And as always, smooth sailing. <laughs>